Welcome to the Bread and Circuses Podcast, brought to you by Digital Pizza, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns and enjoy this shit show. So we're back, Bread and Circuses Podcast. We've had a couple weeks off. I'm Rooster, here with Crow. Who what? Yeah, it's... Who what? Never gets... You know, it's always old and it's never... Okay! <laughs> yeah, yeah! Anyway, I just want to start this off by saying two things. Fuck Robert De Niro. And fuck Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill? Yeah, haven't you heard about that one? No. Well, first of all, the De Niro thing. It's like... I get if you don't like Donald Trump, fine. Yeah. I've said before, I'm not a huge fan. Um, but his whole, you know, first, I just want to say, fuck Trump. I mean, that was not the time and place for that stuff. Well, it, he, he just sounds like a like a petulant teenager. It's like you lose all of your, all of the respect and gravitas you had as a, as an adult with a, you know, with a good history of movies and all that kind of stuff. It's just out the window when you act like that. You're just, all of a sudden you think of him as what a putz. Uh, you're just starting to sound old and like you're losing it. And But, uh... Well, it's like that movie Bad Grandpa he was in with Zac Efron. Never saw it, but just the advertisements and the and the posters and the um, the promotional material alone made me hate him. Well, you He's know... He's trying way too fucking hard. It was funny... Greg Gutfeld had, uh, and I'm apologizing ahead because I got a head cold and allergies here, and sorry, you just got to deal with it, because um, I am. But Greg Gutfeld had this thing about, here's the guy who did Travis Bickle and Taxi Driver and all these movies, and then he showed a clip. Little Awakenings. Yeah, showed a clip from Bad Grandpa, oh. and he's like, he's like, this is how far you've fallen. So, yeah, the whole fuck Trump thing. So he sounded like the angry version of Mark Hamill's Soy Boy when he came out recently. You didn't see this? I did not. So someone was asking Mark Hamill the difference between, um, well, he got interviewed for somebody and they were doing something about the uh, the story arc for, um, you know, the new Star Wars movies and how they haven't been popular and that's why. Uh, well, he actually hated how, how they wrote out uh, Luke for the last one. Uh, Mark Hamill has been dropping um a shade on the movie before it even came out because you know he it went a direction he didn't want it to go for Luke so he they actually kind of had him out doing promotional stuff for it and they kind of backed off and pulled him from it because he was you know he was talking shit see I didn't get anything like that from yeah, the interview he, yeah, I got he was I got not the, this interview probably but well I got that he wasn't real happy with it but it sounded like more in retrospect like if he stood back and said you know now that I think about it I didn't like it very much but this is, they're saying, it's part of the reason the Solo movie tanked so much. Uh, I saw Solo. I thought it was the best Star Wars movie I've seen. Now, I I love Han Solo. I think he's the best character and all that. But um, I I like that movie. But people haven't been going to see it because of the SJW stuff in it and everything. I, I think it's the number one reason it tanked is it was a protest against The Last Jedi. And if you watch uh, Ethan Manskyver's channel... Um, YouTube channel, uh, the artist, the DC artist, he actually quit in DC, by the way, but he, uh, he 
started doing basically exclusively anti-Star Wars videos because it was such a big hit that it just increased his uh, viewership exponentially. Well, you put what I was trying to say much more articulately and concisely is, you know, people have been protesting the Solo movie because of... It wasn't because the movie was bad. It was because it was a protest of how bad The Last Jedi was. The movie was good. It was good. Anyway, but I digress. Uh, Mark Hamill basically said that uh, the first few movies had, you know, Luke as this idealistic, um, you know... uh, uh, it was a farm boy with uh, yeah, Midwestern was, values, kind of. Uh, unfailingly optimistic, yeah. you know. Look we, for the good in everybody. We got to fight, and yeah. he, you know, he fought he fought and he lost, and then he got, he fought and he got shot down, and then he fought and he got shot down again, and he always persevered, but he failed. And he never right? gave up. He never gave up on right. things or people. Like his, like Darth Vader, once he found out it was his father, he didn't give up on him either. Yeah. So, and then they said, you know, the, the Luke in uh, the last Star Wars movie was just like, Oh, the world sucks and everything's terrible. And and so Mark Hamill goes, well, and I guess that sort of mirrored my life. When I was young, I was optimistic. And now I just think, he goes, I thought when we got in power that everything would be great and there wouldn't be any more racism and all this. And now he's like, and the world is unquestionably, I don't think that's the word he used, it might be. But um, basically was like, you can't even argue that we're way worse off than we used wah, to be. I know. It's like, shut up. Yeah. The guy you didn't like won tough we had to deal with it the last eight years you know sometimes you lose an election it happens you know and he was just whining well just wait mark till that blue wave comes and uh all the democrats get in control again and we uh we get a liberal judge and you know abortion rights are saved and all that kind of stuff so well so you mentioned that i want to get into this supreme court stuff oh it's a great segue it's classic here but um so Kennedy's going to retire, mm-hmm. who's been sort of the swing vote guy in the nine. Um, Until just recently, like, what has it been, three rulings that just didn't drop in the bomb on the left? I mean, they did the uh, the collective bargaining. Yeah. They came down on the right side of that one. Yeah, um, we'll get back to that because that's a huge uh, one. They came, before that, they came down on, oh, there was another one just recently. Um, what's the most? Well, he was a swing vote in the... Um, I can't remember the name of the case now. It was the big, uh, it's the conceal and carry one. Or not conceal and carry, but uh, Second Amendment one. No, there was one more. God, it's weird that I can't think of it. It was a big one. Um, well, anyway. so Kennedy's- Oh, no, no. It was uh, it, uh, um, uh, places that uh, do... Um, um, the bakery one. No, no, no. Uh, uh, pro-life... Um, um, Abortions? Yeah, pro-life clinics that do um, counseling, pro-life counseling, were being forced in some states to provide information on low-cost abortions. Yeah, yeah. And it came to the Supreme Court, and you don't hear much about it, but they ruled against that, saying you can't compel them to give information on abortions. Well, it's pretty, I mean... But that that was a win for <laughs> Right, but, but for anybody who studies law at all, I mean, even from a layman's perspective... That was going to go that way. There's nothing you can do about it. Well, what about the uh, where the conservatives are trying to, in a lot of states, are trying to say, hey, if you run an abortion clinic, um, you, you have to provide ultrasounds before you provide an abortion, like show ultrasounds of the fetus to the to the uh, client, quote unquote. Before, well, how do you feel about that? Um, I mean, I'm I'm pro life, yeah, but I'm I'm not for that. 
But what there's, but their, I, their I know argu- what, yeah, the argument is that you're providing more information. You're not. You're, no, what they're really yeah. trying to do no, is I, say if it looks like a person, you uh, you won't do it. And it's true. That is actually well, what it's absolutely true. So, but I don't. I and mean, that's why the left is so adamant against it. Well, yeah, I agree. But, but I, oh, that's I'm, just kind of a segue. I'm not necessarily pro pro doing that. It's just like you know, I I inoculate my kids against every you know, I get them all their vaccinations and everything. I'm not for. You know, you have to do it. However, with the one caveat of is, if you're not going to vaccinate your kid, you don't get to send them to yeah, public yeah, school. Yeah, you better homeschool. Yeah. yeah. You can't, you don't get to benefit from all this. Which my is kid, fine. My kid can't bring a fucking peanut butter sandwich to school without letting the school know. I think that's a good compromise as long as you make it not um, really prohibitive to homeschool because that, that could be a problem too. Yeah. Well, we're getting way off track here, but. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much to talk about. There We've is. been gone for too long or yeah. a two week hiatus. So, so Kennedy. Kennedy has been the uh, center-right sort of swing guy in all of this. And I know you think Roberts is an idiot and he's on the left, but we won't get into that because you're wrong. But anyway, um, so, uh, you know, they're saying that even if you appoint someone who's slightly right of Kennedy, that, I mean, you're locking the court up for, you know, a long time because the people on the right you've got – um, uh, Roberts, who's young, Gorsuch, who's young. If you put this person in, who's young, Clarence Thomas is no spring chicken, but he's not. He's got a good ten years at least, probably. Yeah. So there's four right there, and then I can't remember the fourth right. conservative um, justice. Honestly, I can't either. But on the other side, you've got uh, I think Breyer. Uh, Mixing up Breyer. Breyer's the. Uh, I think he's Sotomayor is young. Sotomayor um, and Ke- Keegan or Keegan. Keegan, yeah. Sotomayor, Keegan, They're Ginsburg, young. and uh, Ginsburg and the guy I can't remember his name. They're, I think it's older. Breyer. They're, yeah, they're older. I so mean, I think those four are the lefties. Yeah, and so there's one in there. Um, and, but two of them are younger. The two women are younger. Um, yeah, but I can't. Sotomayor and, and Keegan and are Keegan, younger. But I can't remember the Ginsburg. It's going to bug me that I can't remember the. I'll look it up. The ninth justice's name. Um, and Breyer might be the conservative one. I don't know. But anyway, so um, I think the name starts with a K. But so if you appoint someone slightly left, I mean, or slightly right, you're you're locking up three or four spots in there because, look, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is going to she's, – she's 84 years old. And, and she looks to be 104. 184. Yeah. She's terrible. And you know what? Another thing on her – she can't shut up about her public opinion on stuff. That's one of the thing I've always one of the things I've always loved about these justices. Now Scalia was out there a ton, but Scalia didn't. But the, he was doing more the. But he was doing the commentary on their cases, right? Or on he, yeah, the law. He wasn't yeah, it wasn't this pissy bitchy shit. Yeah, he had one about uh, it was it was so it was so much of the reason that I looked up to him was they were asking him about flag burning, and he said, "Look." There's no question that flag burning is free speech. He goes, are you asking me if I were king, what would I do? He goes, I would ban it and send you to prison for it. And he goes, but we have a constitution and we're a rule, we're a country of laws and you're allowed to burn the flag. So I will say you can burn the flag. He goes, that doesn't mean I have to like it. Excuse me. So um, I always liked him for that. And so I think Gorsuch is in that sort okay, of so Stephen Breyer is the lefty. 
and uh, Alito is kind of right. It. Yeah. So, and he's young. Yeah. So. So, uh, but do what people forget sometimes is that they don't always go the way people think they're going to go. You know, it's not you're appointed by a conservative, you stay conservative. Sandra Day O'Connor was, uh, she was, I don't want to say very liberal, but she moved around a lot like Kennedy does. She was appointed by Reagan, you know. First woman on well, the court. Well, we know what we're going to get from Sotomayor and Kagan. They were specifically put in there to be um, progressive kind of uh, advocate judges. Yeah, you know what, though? It's another thing. And I'm not a Sotomayor fan. I'm, I'm not going to try and defend her, but... Um, years ago, I put a couple of quotes on Facebook and said, you know, tell me who the justice is, who said this. And there were two of them, one by Roberts and one by Sotomayor. And they were on, respectively, the gay marriage one and the healthcare care one. Uh, and so uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but Roberts said, okay, so Tom loves Jane, but uh, and that's not a problem. And he goes, but Bob loves Steve, and that is, he goes, I'm, I'm not understanding how you're not totally discriminating based on sex and uh, for, for gay marriage. And so it was a quote that was very, you could tell was very critical of the uh, conservative point of view. And that's what I want to see in justices who will step on the other side. And Sotomayor had one about um, the, uh, I think it was the, I can't remember the quote exactly, about the uh, Commerce Clause for the healthcare, which she ultimately voted in favor of. But she was saying, hey, tell me how this it's isn't. Not, uh, tax. Yeah, she goes, how, how is this not? She goes, I, I don't understand how this applies to interstate commerce at all. Well, so, she's the one that had the quote that really pissed a lot of people off. Where she's, I don't know exactly the quote anymore off the top of my head, but it was something about how the life experience of a strong Latina woman yeah, out, that was out, in her, outweighs that of a white male, basically. And yeah, I like, think that it, was in her... Um, her uh, hearing, and it just rubbed it just rubbed everybody on the right the wrong way. It's like, oh Jesus, stop it! Yeah, can we just be people? Yeah. Um, so I can't pretend to know anything about who's on the list or who they're going to appoint, but I mean, you're talking about sort of a swing vote in there. Yeah, probably sixty percent of the time he voted conservative, but still he he was a voice that could be swayed to the liberal side, and I have a feeling they're not going to with the. Congress and the Senate held by the Republicans, they're going to get it through. You know, he's going to, the hearings will be tough, but. Yeah, the whoever's up next will get through. But uh, I did see one, uh, I can't remember her name. There's a woman that they said might get appointed. She's in a, she's a uh, appellate court judge. She's the mother of like seven kids, uh, three of which are adopted, two are adopted from Haiti. Uh, she's very pro life. Um, and they're like, man, if he nominates someone like that, she's eminently qualified, um, but she's conservative and she's a woman, but she's adopted these, you know, black kids from Haiti. It's like, how are you going to attack her? How are you going to go after her? Yeah. As a matter of fact, the far right would hate her. <laughs> oh, probably. So yeah. You and your race mixing things. <laughs> how dare she? <laughs> No, I, it's going to be interesting. I just I think people should really buckle up. I do love watching those um, uh, those. What's the word I'm looking for? The hearings, um, confirmation hearings. Yeah. yeah. When I watched Roberts confirmation hearings, I was amazed. 
He didn't have any notes, nothing. And they grilled him for like three days. And he had, um, I mean, all that stuff from memory. Well, he seemed pretty unflappable too. Very, he said very everything calm with a, and even keel. He said everything with a slight smile on his face. Yeah. Not a smirk, but... Yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't rattle him. No, they couldn't do it at all. So. I mean, that guy is, he's brilliant. Um, but anyway, so I want to, I want to get to this Janus ruling. So, uh, that was the, so backing up a little bit, I can't remember the name of the woman, but she brought a case that got to the yeah, Supreme she was Court. A school teacher. I think, she, this. I think in Minnesota, yeah. uh, who said, I don't want to have to pay these union dues because they keep backing. I think hers was mostly a religious argument against Planned Parenthood. She didn't want to. I may be confusing this, and maybe that was the Janice case. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't. She got, but basically, she just didn't want. She didn't want to participate. She had a religious reason for not wanting to be in the union because of who the union was backing, and they were giving the money that she the that money taking that she was, out of her paycheck. So she was that saying money was going to something. She I shouldn't have to do with. this, right? And she shouldn't. Well, I mean, you can make a case either way, and and I will here in a second. But so that was that was her. And then her case was going to uh, it was going through the Supreme Court, and that's when Scalia passed away. So it was it was deadlocked, and she was just heartbroken because Scalia would have been the fifth vote because yeah. Kennedy went for it and everything. Um, so the court was deadlocked. We went through that whole Merrick Garland, John Gorsuch thing. Is it John Gorsuch? I can't remember. Neil Neil, Neil Gorsuch. Gorsuch. Yeah. Um, Neil Gorsuch deal. So. This case comes through, and I think this guy is even like a, he's a, um, it's a public union employee, I believe. And he said, nope, don't want to do it. And, and the court said, you know what? You don't have to. You shouldn't have to be forced to pay union dues. And, and so there's this whole thing about free riders, which as I understand it is, I haven't read the opinion yet, and I mean to, but a free rider is a person who... Um, benefits from so the union goes out and collectively bargains for all the benefits and everything and that person who doesn't pay into the union gets all those benefits right and that's the case i think that the union can make to say yeah but we're negotiating on this person's behalf and they're just they're just not paying it's too bad you didn't ask you to that's see for me that's the other part of this it's like they didn't have a choice yeah and so there are union representatives who say, well, their union's representing them. And these people like this guy are saying, but I didn't ask him to. It, it'd be kind of like, I don't know, if you were in a, in a business setting where you had teams, like groups and teams, and one, two, two of your team members got together and talked to, to management or HR and says, we, we, we deserve more and our team deserves more. Uh, I want us to get a raise and I want our team to get a raise. But they didn't talk to the other team members before that. But the management agreed to go, yeah, sure. And then they come back and they say, you know, hey, we just talked to management. We got us all a raise. Um, but I think uh, you should kick in. Um, since, you ha- no, you have to yeah, kick in. Um, I'm going to start charging you since we did that for you and you're benefiting. It's the same kind of concept. And I'd be like, fuck you. Yeah. So. Um, it, while we're thinking about this, I think I know the other uh, other case that Kennedy swung on. It's the corporations or people thing. Oh, which they are. I mean, corporations. Which way did he go on that one? He was pro corporation. So which, they which, said. Which people weren't, we didn't know beforehand which right, way he was going to go on that one. Right. So his point was, and again, we're off on a tangent here, but I'll come back. His point was, or the point of the case was that, and I'm assuming he voted for it because I don't think the other ones did, um, 
I don't have the decision in front of me, but basically that a corporation can donate money because a corporation is people. It's made up of people, which means people, people. buy shares in a corporation. Yeah. And what I always found funny was that the union said, well, corporations aren't people. It's like you're functioning exactly like the corporation yeah, is. But you're, you are people, huh? You are collecting okay. money. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You're collecting money from – and they're like, well, they're the people in the union. Well, well we represent the people in the everybody union. Everybody in a corporation owns part of – you or I – I mean, if I don't like the way Jeff Bezos does business, I can still buy part of Amazon. You know, I can buy stock in Amazon. Or just mail them anthrax if you don't like that. Isn't that how that works? No. Okay. I don't want to know what you do in your spare time. Oh. Okay. But I'm not accepting any so letters. So is this something you should anymore. disavow? I, I'm just... <laughs> I don't think anybody would have to. <laughs> so um, so anyway, getting back to this whole Janice case now, if... you know, So the unions took that hit a couple of years ago where they said, you know, corporations are people too. They can give money. Well, now... Let's just say like Education Minnesota here in Minnesota is a huge – it's one of the biggest unions in the country. and or in, It's the biggest union in the state, I believe. Well, I've heard numbers. I have no statistics here that says roughly 25 to 30% of teachers in those unions hold center-right beliefs. In other words, they are not lockstep liberals. If – Half of those people decide, you know what, based on this, I don't have to pay union dues anymore. What's going to happen? I mean, that Education Minnesota pays a ton of money to Democratic. Um, Is there a mechanism to keep people from knowing that they stopped giving union dues? Probably not. No. It'll get out. It'll get out. So that's pressure, too, still. Yeah, stay in the there's going to be some people who go along the so other Yeah, so the ones that really, they, they want out, but they don't want that that kind of that peer well, pressure. Well, they may but, not even want out. They may just say, look, I don't like where the union's putting their money, but to be honest, I don't want to cause any flag at work, so I'm just not going to do yeah, it. Yeah, but if they had a mechanism that would keep them keep it um, anonymous, they'd probably go, yeah, I'm not, not going to put my money towards something I don't remember. Well, what's funny is in a lot of states, I can't remember what this voting is called, but uh, um, it was going to be that the union, when you voted... When your when your shop was trying to unionize, your vote had to be public. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I and I can't. Did they strike that down? I think there are some states that still have it. I I'm I'm almost positive I heard that this Supreme Court addressed that. Well, maybe they did. And they said that yeah, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, I don't know. So, well, it's just it's funny just seeing how apeshit this resist movement is going over stuff, but. This is going to deal a huge blow to these unions. Well, it's going to motivate. It's going to motivate the left to get out and really, I mean, try to get the vote. I mean, it's not they're they're going to be extremely motivated by this. This this right here is a big reason that they're going to work their asses off to try to uh, get that blue wave back up to where well, they thought it was before. Yeah, but at the same time, and there's always a, another side to this. It's like an economic argument. We'll get to this on these tariffs too, but uh, there's another side to these arguments all the time. So people say, well, now they're going to be motivated because they're going to worry that Roe v. Wade is going to go. So oh, And that's going to be the shtick. That's going to yeah. be what the loud so mouths like, are yapping and, now and scaring all the leftists and, but the, and right the liberals is go, about. The right is going to say, hey, if we get our people in there, your Second Amendment rights good for the rest of your lives and the lives of your kids and 
So let's get everybody's going to pick their partisan thing and get out there. So I don't think it's going to change stuff a whole lot. Well, it really pissed me off. I guess I just saw a little clip of uh, Pocahontas um, talking after after hearing that uh, Kennedy was retiring, and she uh, Elizabeth Warren, and she was saying, uh, I don't know specifically the word for word what she said, but she was saying that uh, women's rights are going to go out the window. There'll be no more women's rights, healthcare rights, and it's like just fucking come out and say it abortion yeah you're worried about abortion that's it that's the only thing and uh no it's gonna be uh it's gonna be like that show um the god i'm spacing on everything tonight the one uh well you're a little sickly the step thanks no it's just normal uh this that sort of stepford wives show Big hit now on Netflix. Oh, uh, the, it's a the, 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 the the something midwife. No, God, everybody's talking about it too. It's the it's the chick from uh, Mad Men. Well, wasn't that the one they where wear the, the white bonnets? And yeah, the, the something something the midwife. It's about yeah the Republicans take over the conservatives yeah, they take basically over. Tell the women it becomes like a have, theology. Yeah, when they have to tell them when they're having yeah something something midwife. I don't know midwife sale. That's what it is. I don't think it's midwife's tale. Uh, I'm right. Sure you are. Um, anyway, uh, um, Google. Yeah, and no, it's going to be like the the maiden handmaiden's tale. That's You're it. Right. Yes. Damn it. God, I'm almost right. <laughs> you should have bet me on that. No. <laughs> but speaking of bets and Pocahontas, so Donald Trump Jr. is dating Kimberly Guilfoyle right now. I did not know yeah, that. Donald so Trump is. Jr. is dating Kimberly. Well, he's the one who just got divorced, right? Or is getting divorced? I. So he's been yes. linked to Kimberly Guilfoyle. You know it's funny that I heard that a while ago. And, I and now they're public about it. Do you hear what he did the other day? No. He bet. Uh, he offered to bet uh, Elizabeth Warren $10,000 that Kimberly Guilfoyle is more Native American than she is. <laughs> well, they just took a 23andMe test on the I mean, five. what a crude son of a bitch. He is, but it's funny as shit. But it is. Uh, they didn't, they just, like the other, just two days ago, they did a, uh, 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 the whole t- table did a 23andMe um, ancestry test. Yeah. And they put it up on, I don't know what Guilfoyle came away as. Maybe, I think that film might have had like a 1% Native American. But the point is, you know, she's been saying this all along and it was all yeah. oh, my, my grandma said we had that picture of those high cheekbones. So I just always thought that we had a recipe that blah, 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 yeah, whatever. Uh, and there have even been some Native American but, groups that say, take the test. That's news to me about Guilfoyle. But I just, I just saw, oh, and the Guilfoyle thing I knew about for like a week. But, huh. um, but yeah, no, I just saw it today that, Donald Trump Jr. said, I'll bet you 10000 Is she going to continue on the five, then? Well, I don't know why not. Mm. Why can't she? I don't see why not, but there's going to be a big stink about it. Yeah, but I mean, she's she's not a she's not a reporter. She's an opinion. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're... I mean... It's blatant opinion. Yeah, So, and that's one thing Fox gets a ton of shit over. I mean, they have some crappy shows on there, but, but most of what Fox does is not... I mean, they have their news broadcast. Well, they have Brett Bear is, is their news right. guy. And, and Brett Bear and Mike Wallace. He's a good news guy. So, yeah, Mike Wallace. And uh, Shepard. Shepard Smith, which yeah. he, he he actually leans left. Yeah. So I mean, so those are legitimate news people. But most of the other stuff they have, like Hannity and, they, and then Ingram, they admit all, their opinion. They're I mean, all opinion They're not shows. trying to be anything other than So that. people are like, oh, they got their facts wrong, and here's why their news is bullshit. It's like they're not. They're biased. Of course they are. <laughs> they're, they come right out and say it. Yeah. So, yeah, so he better. So Well, she'll never take the bet, but the point is it puts the pressure on her. That's funny. It's, that's the one thing that that I think is the real appeal of 
of Trump and that whole family in that they uh, they definitely go after things the way a lot of Americans would, regardless of regardless of political stripe. I think most, especially in the Midwest here, so not necessarily on the coast, but are sort of like, put your money where your mouth is. You know, my team's better than your team. Well, then let's fucking bet. Yeah. You know, and people aren't worried about being overly PC and, you know, they see bullshit, they say bullshit, stuff like that. You know, people were worried when Trump, um, people on the right were worried when Trump was uh, running for president that he was too liberal, that he, you know, he came from a liberal elite. Well, he's liberal. And, and, well, he's a Manhattan billionaire. Yeah. But I think as he goes all along in pres- as a president and he keeps getting attacked so much and people around him so much by the left i think they're, they're doing what happens to a lot of it. what's happening to him is happening to a lot of or has happened to a lot of us already is they're pushing us further to the right and i think it, i could see it in him too <laughs> yeah so well the thing about when you get any of the political extremes in either the hard left or the although the left is changing on this um the hard left or the hard right if you are a for the hard right, like a Mitt Romney candidate, who's a fairly moderate conservative, um, who else are they going to vote for? You know, they can say, "Well, we don't like that guy, and we won't show up." But if they're going to vote, they got to vote for him. Yeah, it's just like with the with the left. If they put a, uh, I'm trying to think of who, uh, well, a Joe Lieberman. You know, if a Joe Lieberman kind of candidate was out there, the hard left would probably say he's not far enough left. But they're never going to vote for the guy on the right. You know. Yeah. Um, but the hard left's just getting goofy now. Like this, oh, they just they just uh, a socialist in New York, a Democratic socialist, and it was there. There is no fucking Democratic yeah, socialist. They, they call themselves Democratic socialists, but uh, we know what we know what they are. That's They're the socialists. way of softening socialism. Yeah, you know, because they know how bad if you get down to the nuts and bolts of it, how bad it is. Yeah. So I mean, it's just like straight up democracy. It's bad. A straight up democracy is mob rule. It's bad. Yeah. So that's why Republican. we have representative republicans better. So <laughs> well, I mean, if you get to this uh, whole election thing, they say Hillary won by 4 million votes or whatever, which was basically the population segments of New York and Los Angeles that voted for. So if you're going to go straight up, straight up popular vote, that means presidential candidates are just going to campaign in New York and, and Los Angeles because yeah. that's enough to sway the whole thing. So, but, so I want to, you know, talking about Trump and two sides to all stuff and everything. I want to, you and I had talked a little bit about these tariffs and uh, how they work. And I've been reading a bunch on this and this is kind of, I like the economic stuff. And I heard this argument. I wish I could remember where it was because I thought it was fairly brilliant that said Trump is trying to do to China and Europe with these tariffs what Reagan did to the Soviet Union with the arms race. He's just saying, we can outspend you, so we're going to do it. And he started, and we built five times the amount of missiles we need to literally destroy the earth. And the Russians tried to keep up and their economy collapsed. So the idea of the tariff, and I was amazed by this one, there's a tariff on American dairy goods in Canada of 270%. So Trump is saying, fine, we're going we're gonna to match that tariff. So that doesn't make anything our producers are selling any more expensive, right? 
the stuff, can, but it does make their goods more expensive here. So, but then they, the the argument against that is saying, well, they're just going to retaliate, right? And they will, yeah. And so, like uh, soybean growers right now are freaking out because they said, well, I was planting all these soybeans and the price on them just skyrocketed, so now the demand has dropped, and so I don't know if I'm going to be able to make money on this. Um, but there, there's two sides to all this stuff, and I think what Trump is betting on. And I mean, let's not just say it's him. Who's his uh, not uh, Munchin? Uh, the Most guy, economic. Uh, yeah, who's a free trade guy? Yeah, I'm a free trade guy. I'd love to see no tariffs at all. Period. None. But look at what China was doing with their steel for a while. They made a cheaper steel. It still works, and they would ship it to the United States um, at a low cost that was under what we could produce it at. And the Chinese government supplemented their producers. So say they were selling it to us at 80 cents on the dollar. The Chinese government was saying, we'll make up the difference. So their producers could still sell it. And it really damaged the steel industry over here because we didn't have a tariff on Chinese steel. So now if we go out and slap a 30% tariff on, I'm pulling numbers out of the air. I don't know that it was 80 cents on the dollar. I'm just saying that's an example. They were selling a cheaper steel and the government was supplementing it. If we put a tariff on, that's that much more that the Chinese government has to make up. And if their economy is not as strong as ours, you can make an argument, and no one knows what's going to happen with all this stuff. You can make an argument that that's that much longer they got to hold their breath, and they can't do it. You know, what's interesting about this is that uh, the people that think Trump's an idiot, um, this is like his wheelhouse. Yeah, I was just going to say this. this is his wheelhouse. And, and to think that Obama knew better than Trump about the you know economic things is just is laughable. Well, Obama's policies, though I didn't care for them, at least were where he came from all the time was, and I'm this way in my neighborhood. I don't put up election signs or anything like that because I got to live there. I don't want to piss off my neighbors, right? Um I think he approached foreign policy like that, whereas Trump said, fuck everybody else, us first. And if you want to be you first, fine. You do you. And the Obama... Yeah, you try to get the best deal for yourself. I'll try to get the best deal for myself. Yeah. Boom, we're done. And the Obama acolytes are like, well, you can't you can't just do that. You have to be a citizen of the world. Oh and Trump's God. going, fuck that. Yeah. And that appeals to a lot of people. And yes, there will be people on our side who are hurt because of that. But in economics... It's not always a zero-sum game, but it's close to it a lot of times. So Harley-Davidson now has talked about, well, we're going to move some to Europe. We're going to move some production over there. And Trump went right after him and said, hey, you do that. It'll be the last time you ever make bikes yeah, in the United States. Yeah, fuck you, States. Harley. And there's going to be, let's just say, half the people who buy Harley-Davidson's who are like, it's probably more than that. Cause, well, I'm one of them. Let's face it, Harley-Davidson's Merca. You know, well, they, I mean, they've already done some of the pr uh, production work uh, for some of the uh, stuff on their motorcycles is no longer produced in America anyway. A lot of it is overseas, like I think Mexico and or not overseas, but not in the country. Well, yeah. And, you know, people are confused on this all yeah. the time. So like my Honda Accord that I bought, there's there's more of that car made in the United here, States yeah. and like a, I'm some pick an American car, a Ford uh an escort with their uh, probe now or whatever their focus yeah ford focus there's probably more of that made over there you know yeah. it's all so but i am i'm a harley guy i have a harley i'm actually selling it right now if anybody's interested 
Contact crow. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, if I, if that happened, I, I wouldn't have any loyalty to Harley at this point. I would go, you know, another route. But it was just like when Carrier said, hey, we're moving our production to Mexico. And Trump went, oh, oh, oh hold on. Let's talk a second. And he kind of shamed him a little. And yeah, a bunch of jobs still left, but a bunch stayed. And so I think he's really shined a light on stuff like this and saying, really? You're not going to fight this out with everybody else? And I understand Harley Davidson's point of view. I mean, they've got shareholders and, well, they, and, they, and they need to make money. They've and, been steadily declining in sales and suffering for quite a while now. The, they, 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 they really kind of screwed the pooch when it comes to marketing and things like that. So you know, they're behind. You know, most of their sales, though, is apparel. Yeah, yeah. They, it's a high number. It's like they, 70%. They finally, within the last 15 years or was it about 15 years, they finally started making, you know, um, lower cost motorcycles for younger people instead of catering to the 50, 60 year olds like they were for so long. Yeah, the guys who trailer their bikes out to yeah, Sturgis. Yeah, the, the $30,000 motorcycles. And the lowest one they had was like, you know, $18,000. And they finally realized, well, that's we're, we're dumb. <laughs> but they they were, they were late to the game and they were losing money. And now they've got all these bikes that are, you know, eleven thousand, ten, seven thousand. I think the lowest cost one. Yeah. Um, but I think I think the silly they they hurt themselves not keeping up with it. But the point of this whole thing is that that whole thing cuts both ways. So as much as it hurts Harley Davidson or soybean growers or something that we're putting tariffs out there on goods coming in that that the other countries are saying well now we're going to put a higher tariff on your stuff yeah you can get a trade war like that but here's the funny thing about wars somebody wins and somebody loses and i think in this case but there's always casualties i think there will be casualties economic ones in this i don't think we'll be into like a full-blown recession but i do think it's like a boxing match you know you put two people in there who slug it out until one of them can't take it anymore and either quits or falls unconscious. And I believe Trump's team is saying, we think we have the better fighter in this. Yeah, and they probably think that they're looking at the timeline, too, and saying, hey, it's going to happen faster than people think. And there's a lot to suggest, a lot of evidence to suggest that they do. I mean, some of these other countries' economies are not doing well. I mean, the Brits have left... They're leaving the European Union, which is huge, because really the only co- country holding that together right now is Germany. And Italy's Italy's uh, economy is not doing well. Greece is imploding. And Germany is propping all these other countries up. And so they may not be able to handle that whole thing. And if they, if they have trouble, well, the whole European Union's in trouble. So now I think you're hearing a lot of protestation, uh, from the European Union people who are looking at that and saying, well, that's not, you know, being good citizens of the world because they're really kind of worried, what the fuck happens if we lose this deal? You know? I mean, France's m- major part of their economy is tourism. It's that people want to come to France. Because remember after the Second Gulf War when France didn't really participate and the United States said, well, we're just not going to come. And they had started the whole Freedom Fries thing and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that really hurt France, and they were trying really hard to get people to come. Realized I'm in the wrong chair. Yeah, you are. Remember in the I move here, like creepy <laughs> one. Uh, I thought that was just your bones. Oh, thanks. So, I'm uh, a young old man. Yeah, you are. I'm the old old man. So, but I think I, I mean, I think from 
just an intellectual point of view, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But I don't think I don't think it's going to be fun. But I do think we'll come out on top. Yeah, I wasn't. I, I'm, I don't pretend, and I didn't pretend to be an expert on tariffs. And uh, I've talked to you about it. Um, and I think that after I talked to you, you researched it a little bit more, and you're coming to more of a, uh, an opinion of it than yep. you had. I again, I am a free trade guy. I don't if if Chinese steel is cheaper and you can make Chinese steel work in your building, and you say it costs me X amount to buy American steel, and Chinese steel costs me half as much. I think there should just be, you know what? I'm going to buy Chinese steel without all of this, <coughs> without all these tariffs in the way. Because you make the decision as a consumer what you want to buy based on the quality and cost. You know, but if you're saying, I'm building this building and I want to make sure the steel is going to hold up, the American steel is unquestionably a better steel, but it costs me 30% more, I'm okay with taking that hit. What do you say to the argument that we can't compete to, with some of these countries that basically have almost indentured servitude where these people are working for peanuts and uh, that we can't compete that way. So, so that's, that's, that's just none under, of my business. Undercutting us. That's none of my business. You know, I can decide then that I don't want to buy their stuff because what they're doing to people in their country. Yeah. But I can't morally, I have a problem with how they're treating their people. But if you start objecting, well, to I'm not them, even morally worried about their people that well, how they deal with their people is how they deal with their people. I'm just, Worried that like we have we have the raw material here to make a good product, but if you get the market flooded with a product from another country that's produced so cheaply that we can't compete because our workers would would they can't they just can't pay them that kind of um, or they cost too much to pay right. them then they basically have slave labor. Yeah, so we can't compete. So we've got this product or this raw product here that we can't produce because we can't compete with the slave labor over there. Right, but so. The, what are the choices? The choices are either the consumer doesn't buy it because they don't want to. They say, I object to the conditions of those workers. I choose not to buy it. Or you can get a government that says, we will not trade with those people because though their product works, it's too cheap because of, you know, yeah. they get their labor cheap. And labor is labor's the most expensive cost a business has. You know, unless you're talking like, IT companies who do a ton of research and development. Research and development might beat that, but it's always labor. Labor is the most expensive cost a business has. And I suppose if you did, if you started just blasting tariffs on them for, for shit like that, and then these companies over here realize that, uh, you know, they don't have to compete then anymore. They've got, they've got, they've got it locked down now. Right. So then you don't get any innovation. You don't get, uh, you don't get. Um, right, cost you, cutting and all that kind of stuff. But you can't make the argument to put tariffs on them because it's morally good if you're saying you can't put tariffs on somebody else to make it even. Okay, So go back to the, the Canadian dairy thing where uh, the tariffs. So Canada is charging almost a 300% markup on our dairy goods crossing the border to protect their farmers and everything. Right? Mm -hmm. If Trump says, I'm going to do the same thing back to them. You can't object to it and say, no, that tariff is bad because it'll start a trade war. But then turn around and say, hey, in Bangladesh, they have 12-year-old kids making T-shirts at three cents a day. So you got to slap a tariff on them. No, they're either bad or they're good. Yeah. You can't pick and choose based on which side of the aisle you're on. Well, you can, but I think that's hypocrisy and I have a problem with hypocrisy. So the choice is either you put those tariffs on it, sort of even that playing field, because you just believe they're bad people and bad actors and they do bad things. 
or you say, hey, look at what they do. If you want to buy that, go ahead and buy that. Look at Kathy Lee Gifford's thing. She had that clothing line 10 years ago. They found out it's being manufactured in like sweatshops some, in some country and, and people stopped buying her stuff. Right. You know? And I think that's let the market decide. But you you're, know, you're okay with then – okay, straight up let the market decide. But you're okay now with what Trump's doing then because it's, it's responding to tariffs from somebody else. I don't want to say I'm okay with it, okay? Um, I don't like the idea of tariffs. And I don't like the idea of saying because someone else acts poorly. I just had this talk with my son about something else. He said – I said you should never do this to someone. And he goes, right, but if someone does it to you, it's okay. And I said, no, your principles are – you act how you should, regardless of what other people do. In in this case with the tariffs, I don't like the idea of tariffs. I don't like the other countries having them either. But if the mechanism for getting them to get rid of theirs is to say, we will match your tariff to the point where you can't, and then we understand that everybody's getting rid of theirs, right? Okay, so, okay, so you're – I'm not saying this to piss you off, but you're willing – to compromise your principles on a short term, I, I no, I see exactly what you could say, and I think it's a I think it's a great point to point out. But the analogy I would use is, um, let's say I'm I'm sort of a, uh, a closet pacifist. I don't believe you should. I was just going to bring up something about violence. <laughs> yeah, let's say you're not going to hurt other people and stuff like that. I uh, say I don't carry a gun. I won't fight in a war. I'm a conscientious objector. That kind of thing. And somebody comes up to you with a bat. And starts trying to beat on you. I'm not going to say at that point you have to say, well, my principles are you don't do harm. So I'm going to curl up in the fetal position and let them beat the shit out of me. Take my principled stand and hopefully I don't die. I think at that point you have to fight back with what you are, you know, you didn't start that fight, right? You are protecting yourself. Now, I think where you lose me on the principle thing is you knock that guy down, you take his bat and you start kicking the shit out of him. Or do you take that bat away and flip it away and say, look. I'm not doing this anymore. You know, nah. I've defended myself. Well, you could at least pee on him, right? <laughs> um, I don't want to get into your sexual fantasies here. <laughs> your R. Kelly stuff. No. Um, but you see, and I, I will admit that's walking a fine line. Yeah. But. Well, I, I'm, I, I try to be principled and think it's okay to be a principled person. But uh, sometimes you got to go, you know, fuck the principle. Let's, let's get her done. Then we'll get back to principles. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, and that that can be construed as hypocritical or you just be – you're sinking to their level. Well, and, you know, look at it this way. So let's say a you have a, uh, a stance as a state, as in a governed body state, to say, look, we're not, we're not going to start wars. We're not going to do any of that stuff. We believe the country should deal with stuff peacefully. And your neighbor starts ratcheting up their army production and all that stuff. And you decide – well, to go back to Reagan's thing, you know, Reagan didn't want to start a nuclear war, but he was happy to show Russia that we were capable of doing it. I don't think he ever intended for us to do that. His point was, we can outspend you. We will outspend you. We don't have any intention of using this stuff. But, you know, in the off chance we might, you know. And so maybe going back to my violence example, being the pacifist and the guy has the bat, and you see him have a bat, so you pick one up and go, we're going to do this? You know, and maybe he goes, oh, I just, I didn't think I you thought, were going to just... I thought you were anti-violence. Yeah. And you could just stand there the whole time with the bat on your shoulder going, well, I, I probably am. 
And so I guess it's more along the lines of that. But no, I, you're, you're dancing real close to hypocrisy on that. And I'll, I'll admit it. But it was the kind of thing where if they're going to do this to our detriment, what's our other option to get them to stop? Well, and then uh, Trump's argument is that we entered into an agreement and we were stupid and we never should have gotten to that agreement. And he's just correcting a bad agreement. That's kind of hit part of his argument, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think he's talking about a few specific things okay. on that one. I think overall he's saying if you're going to keep slapping tariffs on us, we can't stand here and just take it. You know, at some point we got to do something. Right. You know, it's like that scene in uh in um Tombstone where White Earp keeps slapping uh, uh Johnny behind the deuce and he's like you going to you going to do something or you're just going to sit there and bleed. And yeah. I think in past administrations, even going back with like Bush, it was you know, it's better to turn the other cheek. And look, we tried that, and it's not working. So fuck those guys. Yeah. You know, we can do this too. Now, if we put the tariffs in place and we leave them, I'm going to have a real problem with that. Yeah, I, I don't expect we would. I think there would be enough back. I mean, there's enough of the free market kind of libertarian types in the on the right in the Republican Party at this point where they just wouldn't allow it. They'd, well. Let me go even more radical and say I remember seeing a Milton Friedman thing where he was on Donahue in the 80s. It was a YouTube deal. Um, he made the case, and at first this made me go, ooh, I don't know about that. He said, let's get rid of all government regulation. And Donahue says, well, what about the stuff that kept us safe? And he goes, I think we get rid of that too. And he says, well, what about like the safety standards on cars? Milton Friedman said, if you can make a car that costs half as much, and you're fully admitting it's not as safe as the other ones. It doesn't have seatbelts. It doesn't have airbags. Airbags weren't in back then, but you know it doesn't have all these safety features that the government is requiring you to put in there. Yeah, we know it's less safe, but it costs half as much. He said, you as a consumer should be allowed to say, you know what? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go with the more expensive car just because it has all the safety features. I know I'm being stupid, but Hey, you know what? Or, or I just legitimately can't afford something better, so at least I have the option to get to my job. Yeah. Uh, a job that's further away now. Yeah, and people get into the weeds with, oh, you know, the whole seatbelt law, and if people die in a car accident, the state has to pay for it. Fuck all those, the details. Here. Yeah, you're getting too... Yeah, you're just getting too far in the weeds. But I, that was something I had a reaction to right away, going, you're going a little too far for me. And then as I think about it, I'm going, guy's got a point. So... Yeah. All right, well... Um, that was fun talking about economics and all that shit. Surprisingly so. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> uh, before we go here and give out our email um, addresses, uh, I've got an email because no I'm way. special. Wow. Okay. So this is from Anonymous who says, uh, uh, this is the text here. Wish Rooster and Crow would talk about the demon, uh, demonization of law enforcement and how body cameras are destroying the propaganda daily. Now, I think we already kind of touched on this topic. And maybe maybe they're referring to that and we didn't talk about it enough. Maybe. When did this come in? Oh, it was a while ago. Oh, okay. I mean, we've, we've been gone for a couple of weeks now, so it was probably about three weeks ago. I have, I have a buddy who's in law enforcement who started listening, so I was just wondering if he's not caught up on episodes yet. But Yeah, so um, we, we did talk about this a little bit. I remember we played the audio... Um, of a couple traffic stops where, you know, it, it, the 
the person getting uh, having the interaction with the cop said, well, he was totally rude and racist and whatever, and it turns out the cop was perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, there's been an awful lot since the body cams have been um, kind of standard now, um, how it's been exonerating a lot of police. But I think there's just been one out now. Oh, they're demanding, was it Minnesota here? I can't remember where they're demanding to get the body cam footage of a guy that was shot running yeah. from the police. Yeah, and look, you just because a guy gets shot one day right away and everybody says, oh, well, so he's just like with these traffic stops we talked about. You know, the activists came out and said, we want to see the footage right now. Well, in the case there's, of a crime. Yeah, there's an investigation. There's a process you have to go through. And I understand sometimes you can say, hey. And that it's, would compromise. Yeah, hey, it's eight months out before they yeah, before no, they yeah. get that. There's like a time. The, the Jamar Clark one or whatever I think took like, or the Castillo one or. Uh, well, they took, no, the, the one with. Um, they took like four to eight months to get that. one with the Australian woman that was shot by the cop. It's never been out because there wasn't, there wasn't footage. That's cops what didn't they say cops didn't yeah, turn their body they, cams yeah, on that's true. but so the point is it's taken a long time and there is a statute in the Minnesota law that says you know unless it's unless it can influence public safety and stuff we'll release it more all they're saying in this is give us a couple months to interview all the witnesses involved and then we'll release it and there's people saying no release it right now i i get that and if it was my kid who got shot or someone i cared about i'd want to see that footage right away but the idea that justice moves a little slowly in this country, I think, is a good thing. Yeah, and part of the part of the thing where they're demanding it is, it's just it's a hype's kind of thing, and, and it's also kind of like a bully tactic. It's saying, "Hey, yeah. you want to keep the mobs from from exploding? You better, you know." It's like, shut up. Yeah, just let them do their job. If it if it gets out of hand and it gets to be like you said, six eight months down the road, then we start going, "Okay, we need to talk about seeing the footage here." My my one concern about body cam footage is, say the cops come to investigate something at my house and they turn the body cams coming on in the house, right? And they see something in my house that they say, oh, wait a second. Right. You know, and I think the court, I think the court will say along the lines of, well, that's illegally obtained footage. And you're, t- you're I thought you were talking about your giant dildo collection. No, that's yours. No, no, no. You're just projecting onto me. Um but so they they could, you know, see something that would incriminate someone for something else. I think the courts are good at throwing that stuff out. That's my main objection to body cams. But I will admit where I was like, really, are we going to put body cams on everybody? It's a little too big brotherish. I think it's protected cops a ton. I think most police are seeing that, too, because most police are not jackasses. Yeah. There's, there's, there's probably the, there obviously is going to be the bad cop that doesn't like this. But most of them are be like, no, no, I like being exonerated. Well, wasn't like, there some cop who's going to jail for the body cam footage? I thought I heard about that somewhere. I'm not sure. I'll have to check that. But we'll have to look into that more. We'll, we'll probably talk about this. Sub- I mean, this stuff happens all the time, so we'll probably have another show where we talk um, quite a, quite a, at length about it. Well, there's that there's that case pending about they say the guy shot at the cops, and they say the cops are saying the body cam footage showed he had a gun, and there's witnesses going, no, no, he was saying hands up, I, you know, I don't have yeah. a gun, and all, so we'll see, but... The one thing, I'll say this and then, you know, we can be done. The one thing that I always get frustrated with is they say, well, you know, that guy was the Jamar Clark thing. They said, well, he was tied on the ground and the cops shot him execution style. They had him handcuffed. And it turns out that's not what happened. And nobody goes, oh, well, look, that person never should have said that. They're like, never mind. Yeah, there's no no going back. There's no apologizing for that. 
I mean, if somebody says something like that, if an eyewitness says something like that, there should be some repercussion for lying. Well, there really should lying. be. There really should, because that can actually contribute to, I mean, the cops have been getting shot sitting in diners. Yeah. You know, so you can't, I mean, you can't prove that that's the reason why, but yeah, this... I can understand if someone says, you know, it was a tall blonde guy with a blue shirt on, and it turns out it was a shorter, you know, brunette guy with a red shirt on. Yeah. I get that stuff. But faulty memory is one thing, but well, eyewitness accounts are are not reliable. But bad. when someone is saying something like, "Hey, he charged at the cops," versus "No, he was laying down with his hands handcuffed, and the cop walked up yeah. behind him and shot him," when those things are so divergent. Yeah. That's where the video comes in handy. There's got to be some sort of repercussion for that. So. All right. Well, if you want to contact us, it's uh, uh, rooster at breadandcircusespodcast.com or crow at breadandcircusespodcast.com. And uh, thanks for being patient with us while we took a couple weeks off here. And we'll see you again soon. See you. Bye. Bye.